Hey there, and thanks for listening to the Family Recovery Projects podcast. Join us every week to hear about our mission, why we do what we do, and how we can help your family navigate through the turbulence of getting treatment for a loved one. Stay tuned. All right, and we are live. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today on the Family Recovery Project podcast. We are so excited to start podcasting, and we're so excited that everyone who is joining us today is here. Um, for those of you listening, I am Jacqueline Sazzi. I'm an associate director here at the Family Recovery Project. I was in the drug and alcohol abuse treatment field for about 15 years, and I will be joined today by Frank Salaya, and he's the real brains behind this operation. He is the, the founder and and the director of the Family Recovery Project, and I will be your host today so that I can interview him and everyone can get to know Frank and his story and our mission a little bit better. So one quick administrative note, if any of you want to call in with questions or comments, we are going to be taking calls at the end of the show. So that's probably about 10 minutes until we end. So that's around 650 uh, 650 for those of you on the East Coast and 450 for those of you on the West Coast and somewhere in the middle there for those of you in the middle of the country. <laughs> You're probably better at figuring that out than I am. So so without further ado, I will introduce Frank. Hi, Frank. Hi, Jacqueline. How are you today? I am fantastic today. It was a beautiful day here in Atlanta. Yeah, we're blessed with some pretty awesome weather here in Arizona today, too. So uh, it's a good day to oh, yeah, initiate. Yeah, I'm sure. So it's, it's, a, it's a good day uh, just, you know, and feeling good about having our first podcast today, uh, that we're, we're yeah. both having good weather and positive attitudes and uh, uh, looking forward to the opportunity to be able to explain a little bit about um, how, you know, our story comes together and what our mission is. Yes. Absolutely. And speaking of our story, so how long have we known each other now? Ten years? About ten years? Yeah, I was looking at uh, basically a timeline, and it's been ten years since we met. Um, wow. It was uh, two two years into my son's journey with treatment, um, you know, and so, it, yeah, it's been a while, and so we've known a lot about, we got to know a lot about each other, obviously, in that pro, in that time period, in that process about things that, mm -hmm. uh, uh, for me as a parent anyway, a lot of things that I did not know uh, that I, I needed to become aware of. And, you know, it was a place uh, where Chris, or my son found his sobriety uh, that you were a large yeah. part of. So uh, it, it really did change my attitude in terms of, like, what I thought families were missing and parents in particular were missing as they were going on their journey. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, let's just dive right into it. Tell the listeners and, and anybody who's going to be listening to this recording later a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, no, I'm real good at this. I mean, I, I grew up, I was born and raised here in Arizona. I grew up in central Arizona in a small town of, uh, you know, a, a really very positive family history. I've got two sisters. Uh, my mom and dad were uh, educators, uh, worked really hard. Uh, you know, I saw my dad rise from being a, 
classroom teacher and coach and everything up to be superintendent of his district, and he went on to serve in the uh, state legislature here. So he always had a, a great example for me to take a look at in terms of, like, wanting to take a leadership position and helping people to improve, and education was one of those things that he just uh, felt passionate about. Um, it, it was fun growing up in a small town. Um, I, I remember uh, and kind of tying the two together. It is, you know, I don't remember a lot of uh, drug issues back when I was growing up, and a lot of it was because I felt so safe in my family. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did have kind of a crazy uncle, you know, that everybody was kind of afraid would show up at a family reunion, but I never right. did process anything growing up about this world out there, this whole other world out there, um, you know, that was that was happening until my son, uh, you know, 12 years ago, like 14 years ago, actually is when he started using drugs, was that uh, there's this, this world out there exists that I knew absolutely nothing about. Mm-hmm. And so it's really what started me on my journey and wanting to find out more out of necessity more than anything. Um, but I did go, you know, I went to college and, you know, sought a degree in, in political science and economics, and I wanted to be a politician and the politics. Um, oh, goodness. Ultimately, you would have been a great politician. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I hear that often, but I, I really, um, in today's environment, I, you know, I'm not going to say a lot about that because politics don't get, get you anywhere in conversation <laughs> today, but I really do think that. That I, that I just based on my experience with my dad and everything else, I, I ended up uh, uh, quite by accident marrying my high school sweetheart at the time, and I, I didn't really know that her family was involved with broadcast media. Uh, mm-hmm. They had a uh, a network affiliate uh, in Phoenix, you know, uh, our big city here in Arizona, and so we got married. And just uh, by circumstance, I had the opportunity to be able to spend. 20 years in a relationship that introduced me to a, a lot of media concepts. And then FM radio stations were added, uh, print magazine were added as part of their conglomerate. And it was really an amazing time for me. And what I did was I, I went out and started my own media company because I, I saw a niche for corporate clients that needed to have broadcast quality work. And that resulted in uh some great times and great contacts and things. And, and I was fortunate enough to have, you know, garnered some Emmys and other public accolades at that time and served on, uh, you know, civic boards for you know, children's hospital and zoos and things of that nature. So I, I always wanted to kind of like fit in somewhere that was going to make a difference. And when my son started with using drugs, it really brought everything to, a halt in my life in terms of what I thought I knew and what I thought I had control of. And right. so that's kind of where my story changes. And this happened, like I say, 12, 12 years ago when I actually got through that confirmation process with him and he started acting out pretty badly. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you just for a second because you just said something so eloquently that I think so many people in that situation have a really hard time identifying. Um, And I I really do believe that this underlying issue, if we can call it that, but that that feeling of, how did you say it? You said 
I found out what I didn't know and what I, I what I didn't have control of, you know. And I think mm-hmm. so many people, when this process starts, um, by the time they admit to themselves that they do not have control and that they, you know, they, they never really did, they're so far into the process <clears throat> and they've, they've done so many things in an attempt to control that they, it's hard for them to, to take a step back and, and really look at the situation objectively or in some cases even ask for help because they feel like they should be in control or at least people should think they are, <laughs> you know, and you just did, and I don't know, that, it may have been that way for you too. You know, that may be some hindsight and you know, that maybe that, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty thing where you're able to um, acknowledge and articulate that, feeling so well that I believe everyone goes through when they get that confirmation, when, when they have that moment where it's real and they realize that their child has been abusing drugs and alcohol and that, that it's a problem, you know, whether it's going to be a problem forever, forever or whether it's, you know, to the level of, you know, someone who's been drinking and, and using drugs for 20 years at any point that there's, you know, uh, enough of a problem that it's causing issues in family relationships and problems in the home, that's a problem. You know, that's something that needs to be addressed. And I just think it's so hard for people to admit on the front end, okay, I really don't know what I'm doing. And I and now realizing that I'm actually not in control of this situation at all, <laughs> you know, and I think right. that's, I think that's something that you really bring to the table um, and what, you know, you and I are trying to do here that can be so beneficial to parents and families in general that are in, that are in that place, you know, where it's no longer, and we're going to talk a lot about this next week too, but it's gone from suspicion to confirmation. You know, and they right. finally admitted, okay, you know, my kid is not okay. So, sorry. <laughs> I just felt like I no, needed that's... to to really no, point that need... out because that's, that's such a big deal. Well, I think that's our jumping off point for, you know, most parents and loved ones is that you – I mean, my, 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 my educational background when I was working towards my degree in, in uh, business administration – uh, although it was touted to be somewhat progressive and, you know, we have these new metrics, we've got all these different things uh, scientifically to be able to make you a success. Um, you know, it was still based on that old command and control model that's just been so prevalent here in the United States. And and you're exactly right. I mean, you know, when, when your child, you get calls from a counselor at school, you get calls from other people uh, that are involved, or you, you, you know, you get a confirmation with a police officer showing up at your door. Um, those are really difficult times to take because nobody really prepares us for that moment. And right. I, I, I don't even remember what came out of my mouth. I, I just, I remember right. being, in, I, I was like, somebody just picked me up and threw me into the weeds. And at that time, I wasn't even aware that there were other people out there with me. 
I mean, I, right. I was just so flabbergasted. Right. Just like taking Very isolating. Yeah, and I was trying to run a business, and I was doing this and doing that, and, you know, all of a sudden, I'm like, well, where did my son go? I mean, right. who is this young man that's in my house now that's, you know, creating the drama? And uh, I, I really didn't know even, one, I didn't know how to respond to him. I didn't know how to respond to the people that were talking to and at me. And then I didn't right. even know what kind of self-talk was healthy for me at that time. And I think that that's really what got me thinking early on. It's about two years into the journey of treatment because we had a couple of bad experiences. Um and I, I thought, well, there has to be something that I'm missing here because they're kind of saying the same thing, but we're still getting the same outcome, which was right. more relapses and more expenses and uh, more cost to the family on three different levels. I, you know, I think that emotionally, spiritually, and financially, um, it's, it's a huge problem. And as we've talked before, Jacqueline, you know, this year uh, the treatment industry hit $35 billion a year in revenue. And wow. it's, a, it's, a, it's a big business. And yeah. so a certain amount of relapse is okay for them because it keeps, you know, the lights on and keeps the business going. And when I first went into the game, I thought that everybody that was out there was working from a very altruistic uh, base in terms of they wanted to save everybody. I'm not saying that they don't. It's right. just that there are a lot of kids that don't. Uh, and, you know, I am concentrating more specifically on, in our demographic is the 25 and under to get them, you know, help, to get families right. help so that we can move forward. Um, because uh, the last data that I have that I've shared before with you is, is that there, there's, there's, there's approximately 9 million kids that are, nine, you know, that are 25 and under that need help. Right. And out of that number about half a million are actually getting specialty treatment, which leaves eight and a half million families that are out there trying to figure it out on their own. Yeah. And that's where I started to get my motivation to start teaching with parents. And as you know, I mean, it it, it takes going to hundreds of different parent group meetings to find out what works for you. Yep. Um, So we are quickly running out of time here, which I'm not surprised by, since when you and I start talking, we <laughs> we, we can go long, but that's okay. Um, so quickly, just so we can, um, we can leave room and time for if people do want to call in, and if not, then we'll have a little bit of extra time, but um, let's, uh, let's, so tell me a little bit about, or, or really tell our listeners a little bit about what the Family Re- Recovery Project is. Like, what, what are we going to offer people and how are we going to do that? Well, I, I think first and foremost is, is to offer information in a way and, and build a library of information uh, that is going to be able to meet a parent where they're at. Um, you know, we talk about a lot about linearity, and I, I wanted to have that logical step-by-step process. Okay, somebody, Mr. Expert, Miss Expert, Give me my guide and give me my book so that I can go through this. Um, right. Because I'm really, I'm really angry today. Um, but I had to read eight chapters before I got to anger. And by the time that I got through the first seven chapters, by the time I got to anger, it didn't make any more sense anymore. So it was this constant state of confusion. And, and I think that what we wanted to still, I think, are thoughts and, and be a leader and say, look, if you're angry today, here's, or here's 
what we have on anger for you in a multimedia type platform with respect to, you know, videos, podcasts, uh, articles, um, you know, webinars, uh, so that we can meet people where they're at that day. Um, I, and I'll just really quickly just anecdotally tell you, I mean, it used to really bother me when I go to a parent group meeting when my son was missing for a month or two um, and other parents were talking about how great their life was. It made me angry. You know, so yeah. I was anger. I had anger on top of anger. And I used <laughs> to get upset. I used to get upset when I knew that my son was telling counselors more than he was willing to tell me. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I had this jealousy. I mean, I was I was so upside down. And I think that those are the things that I think that you know we want to talk about. Uh, we want to bring them to the table because I think that 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 families can learn to not only learn to be accountable to themselves. But we need to start shifting some thinking out there in that treatment community. There's there's two a little over two million treatment beds that are available or slots for to help you know people, and right. you know we're, we're, out of the two two point two million that we had, only five hundred thousand twenty five and under got treatment. So mm-hmm. we we have to have that conversation somewhere. And I think that that we're a good place to start. I think. Yeah. Does that answer the question? And so it, it does. And um, how are we going to offer that to people? How will they be able to access that information? Uh, well, through, uh, you know, contact with us, uh, you know, directly, especially. But, you know, our uh, our website presence uh, is going to be mm-hmm. a membership platform because I spent – my life savings on treatment. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I want to offer parents and families the opportunity to do through a, web sh- a website membership, one is to be authentic, which means that we're not going to spin, we're not going to twist, we're going to deal with issues for what they are, and mm-hmm. do it cost-effectively so that we can get the support of the 8.5 million people that are out there and then even some of the half a million people that are in treatment to try to decodify some of the clinical messages uh, mm-hmm. so, that they can, so that they can take that information home and actually use it, translate it in their living room. It was really mm-hmm. difficult for me, Jacqueline, to be able to take what I was hearing from a clinician and then take it home and then give it to his little sister and my mm-hmm. wife. And it, it's like, well... I, you know, I'm, I'm, everybody's always translating from somebody else's perspective and somebody else's pers- you know position, and I'm thinking, no, this is this needs to be direct. Um, mm-hmm. I think that we're going to have an opportunity to present speakers in on a, in, in video and in podcast format, and also join, uh, you know, working with us to write some articles that uh, we're going to add a lot of voices um, yeah. from everybody. I think that there's some really great, great treatment specialists out there. Um, mm-hmm. There's some parents Absolutely. that have wonderful, wonderful stories to tell that are not all based mm-hmm. on their their pain and sorrow, but what they did about what they had to do to get through it to get to the right. other side. And that's what we're all about. Yeah. I, absolutely. And I, you know, one of the things that you and I have talked about a lot and that I, I feel very passionate about and why I'm, you know, I'm really excited to get, to get our website up and running and, and be available for people is because I want to put, you know, one of the things I heard from you so much and, um, and from, you know, some of the other families that I worked with during the time that I was 
counseling was how, um, you know, they got into treatment centers and, and, you know, or got with counselors and all of a sudden they felt like they didn't, you know, they didn't know how to handle their child. And like they're, you know, they were, you know, kind of thrown into the deep end and had these professionals telling them, you know, we'll take it from here, basically. Um, and, and, and I, not everybody's like that, but I, I heard that a lot. <clears throat> and uh, to an extent, you know, I, I was, I was encouraged to treat people that way. Um, at, at, you know, in some of the, the places that I worked when I was in that field and it never really set well with me. And that, that is something I, I definitely think we have to offer and that we want to offer is a platform and a, a resource. And, and I can't, I mean, there's another word for it. Um, like, a, I mean, I just feel like it's a safe harbor almost where people can come and, and we can help them feel like, okay, this is your kid and you know what's best for them, <laughs> you know, and right. you don't have right. to let anybody tell you um, how to take care of your family. You just need to give yourself the opportunity to step back and have some, some people around you who have been through this so that you can get clear on what you want to do and what actions you want to take moving forward and, um, and how to handle your child, you know, because that, that still is so, it just blows my mind. And I, I understand it. I, I really, I mean, of course, having been in, in the midst of it, you know, with people, um, I understand why, you know, people to an extent almost want to just hand their kids over, <laughs> you know, and say, right. you deal with it. Right. Um, that's, that is 100%, you know, a normal reaction to the, some of the situations that parents get into with their kids. But, but, you know, I really think that parents should be encouraged to parent, you know, and that they should feel powerful enough to do that, you know. And I think where that power comes from is in knowledge and education, you know, and them really starting to, um, even if it's only on a, you know, a purely educational academic level but understand you know okay so you know okay so your kids got a drug problem we, we don't you know as, as teenagers especially like I, I don't really think we we can diagnose at that point how bad it is <laughs> I think we've got to take it you know with where where your child is in that time. Um, I think it's, I think it's real dangerous to look at a 16 year old who's been, you know, drinking and using drugs for a couple of years and label them as an addict or an alcoholic necessarily. I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the case all of the time or even most of the time. Um, but I do think that it's important for parents to feel empowered to gain some understanding of how they can help you know, and how a lot of healing and a lot of um, quote unquote treatment can happen at home, you know, and, and, and I, I really feel like that's going to change so much of how, you know, um, drug and alcohol, you know, problems are treated and how their families come out in the end, you know, because I've just seen 
families ripped apart because of these situations. And I just, I just don't believe that that's, that's necessary, you know? And I, I think, you know, for me, my part of what we're doing and my part of our mission and my passion really is to um, help parents feel like they can get back on their feet and, and can, you know, be parents and can have some say in what happens to their family through the process. So, yeah, I think yeah, you're kind of you're, you're talking about what we've talked about theoretically before is, is that we're really not going to argue about treatment supremacy. Uh, you know, the way right. that the system has evolved, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's monetized based on people being able to differentiate, differentiate their product because we're so used to buying that way in the United States and, and, and other right. countries too in the capitalist markets. And so you do get this competition for uh, control and mind control, and you get just enough to give you to keep you off balance. And it's we, we should be more open and more authentic than that when it comes to moving our kids that are using and abusing drugs out of the center, because as long as we allow treatment to keep that our child in the center and us circulating around the outside periphery, uh, we're right. always going to be considered collateral damage. And what we want to do is we want to say, look, we need to jump in the middle of, of this process here. Um, right. Help me to understand. I mean, I'm not saying that parents and loved ones have to become experts at addiction uh, because there are certain treatment methodologies that want you to become an expert on treatment uh, and addiction. Right. When in, you want you want to know what do I tell my kid when when he tells me to f off at two o'clock in the morning, uh, or doesn't come home, or chooses not to go to school, um, right? There 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 are practical issues that you're talking about that empower a parent to be able to continue to to maintain that influence in their lives too. Because uh, right. you know, I mean, when my when my son was using, I couldn't think about putting him in school. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, I wanted to have that continue to, to, to hold that dream, but I needed somebody to give me perspective about, you know what, really this needs to come first and then we'll work on getting to that point. But I needed somebody to tell me what it was that I needed to work on in the meantime so that I could be ready for it. And we've talked right. about that 10 second rule before where when your child reaches out to you, when they've been out in the weeds, um, you better be ready for them when they when when they approach you, and they and they may do it more than once, and we have to be honest about that. Um, yeah, but as you know, I mean, we we both know families that have mortgaged their homes that have lost them. We know marriages that haven't yep. survived. Um, yep. uh, other children that couldn't wait to be eighteen, or actually told their parents, "Gosh, if I would have known, I would have got that kind of special attention. I should have started using drugs too." So there's, well, there's or a, a, kids that did start using drugs <laughs> in order right. to get that kind of attention. Right. You know? Absolutely. And, and it, yeah. is, it's, it's a, it is a very, very complex paradigm. Yeah. Um, you know, and getting yeah. back to what we were talking earlier, I think we just want to be authentic. We want to treat each issue um, so that people understand what it is and how it affects another one. Um, and then if, you, if you're angry one day and you're melancholy the next, you're going to want to kind of understand why. And I think that we have the voices to put that perspective together. It's about perspective for me and for us. It's not about yeah. selling something over something else. It's about helping people, helping to get yeah. them out and building of that. A, and building a community, you know, building a community right. of people who, 
who, you know, have kind of paved the way for for That's other true. parents. Well, awesome. I think we definitely um, achieved our goal today. I think we, we have out, we've outlined our plan and our mission and our passion and everyone got to know you and your background and your story a little bit better. So Kimberly, success okay, for and us. I, and I, and I want to say that there, there, there's not one parent. I, I, I had to learn not to give up and it was tough, but I, I want other parents and families to know that we'll never give up on them. I mean, right. we'll always be working to do something to help them so that, they can lose that sense of hopelessness that they're going to feel uh, because there's yes. nothing worse. And isolation. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So um, next week we will be here, same bat time, same bat channel. Um, and we will be talking about suspicion and confirmation and what to do when you suspect your kid is using and what to do if you get confirmation <laughs> that your kid is using. Um, so thanks for being with us today, and this is all the time that we have. We will be back next week at 6.30 Eastern Time, 4.30 Pacific. And thank you so much for everyone that joined us today, and we're looking forward to next week. And thank you, Frank. Thanks, Jacqueline. Talk to you soon.